We're talking with Elementos today, ASX code ELT, market cap around 132 million. Uh, one year return of around up 60%. We have with us the CEO, Mr. Joe David. Joe, nice to see you face to face. We've spoken previously, you talk about tin being the spice metal. Now tin has lots of different applications. Do you want to talk us through what's been going on in the tin market recently and its applications? Yeah, absolutely. So tin's got um, many uses and historic, the uh, historic uses probably, you know, are ones that don't excite many people. The humble tin can, the um, uh, tin chemicals and a few other things like that. But the main uh, offtake and use of tin right now is tin that goes into solar. So solar traditionally was a lead tin blend. Obviously lead's being removed from absolutely everything in our lives due to it being a toxic element. And tin has taken over majority of the solar market. So about your standard solar is about 95% tin, 5% silver. So because of that, uh, very few uh, replacements or anything else that can play that role. So it's absolutely critical to everything electronics. So every, if you get to any electrical circuit with all, you know, the smart components, tin will be the element that's linking all those things together and making the electrons move. So it's called the electrical glue, holds everything together. As you said, tends to be in very small quantities, but it's like salt and pepper in at a restaurant. Often you won't see it listed on the menu, but it'll be in every single element because it's so critical and the food wouldn't taste the same without it. Now, the tin price has kind of doubled effectively over the last 12 months. Is that because there's a, a strong application with EV batteries? Yes, certainly. And it, it comes, you've got to look a bit deeper than just the EV. It comes down to anything with an electrical circuit in it. And obviously EVs have a lot more electrical circuits than a standard car. So there's eight times as much tin in an EV vehicle then there is a standard vehicle. So again, not only is it the EV cars, which we certainly got exposure to, it's anything to do with solar panels, which you know is obviously just booming right now, and anything to else to do with electrical infrastructure, smart homes, automation, you'll find more chips, more semiconductors, more solar, and more tin. So certainly the growth in the tin market moving forward, which is estimated to be somewhere between three and 7% moving forward, against a historic average of about 1.8%, um, is, is, is all tin. Now Joe, your, your key asset and main focus is the Oropesa uh, tin mine in Spain. Can you talk a little bit more about this project and expand on why it's kind of your number one focus at the moment? So there's very few tin uh, listed companies, either producers or developers in the world. Uh, and we're, we're a company that's actually got two projects. As you mentioned, our flagship project is Oropesa in Spain. It is an open cut project, open cut tin, proposed to be an open cut tin mine. Very few of them, about 6% of tin mines around the world are open cut. So for us, getting uh, our hands on the Oropesa project a couple of years ago via corporate transaction, certainly uh, got our, our foot in the ground on a, on a you know, a, an asset that's just, there's not many like it in the world. And then since that point, we've done a huge uh, drill campaign, which increased the mineral resource by, by 50%. Subsequent to that, we've run a, redone a optimization study, which has shown that we've got about 15.5 million tonnes, which we mine over about 13 years, producing about 3,300 uh, tonnes of tin metal per year. Just for reference, that'd be about 1% of the global tin market being produced from our single asset. Um, so it's a very small uh, global uh, market, tin, and certainly we can become quite a substantial player in that. And, and is there a significance being in Europe? Absolutely, yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up, Tim. So Europe right now, like all the major economies, is trying to source their own 
internal supply to feed their their, manuf their advanced manufacturing, the EV and all their growth infrastructure in the, in the green infrastructure space. And um, their primary goal is to source their minerals from within European Union. Oh, that is challenging on a lot of uh, minerals and tin is certainly one that they're very focused on. So for us to be able to have a source of tin within the EU, supplying into that market is, is hugely advantageous for us in this market. And, and one of the key themes for investors, particularly in the commodity space, is the you know, ESG principles, environmental, social and governments principles. Can you talk a little about Elementos' position in regards to ESG? Yeah, so tin has always been on the conflict minerals list, both in the US and the EU. So effectively, you have gold, diamonds, and tin. They've always been ones that have had challenging, um, uh, the global market's been challenged in its supply. A lot of that supply coming out of Southeast Asia and Central Africa, where traditionally and historically there's been quite poor labour practices. But certainly for us, having our two projects in both Spain and uh, Tasmania, which are both mature mining markets that are highly regulated and already, uh, you know, you're, you're quite a good corporate citizen just by ticking the, the basic boxes in those um, in those uh, in those areas. We, um, but we certainly uh, plan on going further than that and being a very uh, good corporate citizen. For instance, in our, our recent optimization study we did at the Oropesa project in Spain, we fully costed the full rehabilitation of that of that mine in our submissions. That was about $106 million US uh, to rehabilitate that mine throughout the mine life. So certainly doing the right thing by the local uh, people and local population, and certainly want to be, uh, you know, have high ESG values. Now, Joe, you've made significant progress over the, the last uh, 12 months and going forward, you plan to kind of fund your transition from explorer to producer. How's that going to look? Uh, what's that going to look like moving forward? Yeah, so we've been fortunate from our last few capital raises. We had a, a fairly um, large set of options. A lot of them just been exercised as of the end of last month. We're sitting now with about, uh, over a $7 million cash balance. That funds us very well through to the end of our definitive feasibility study. So in Oropesa in Spain, we're fully committed to completing a DFS uh, study by uh, Q1 next year. Um, obviously, in parallel to that, we've already put in our regulatory submission, our mining license application, our environmental impact assessment study, and our rehabilitation plan, as I mentioned before. So those three documents will parallel quite nicely from a timing front. So we think by at least mid next year, we'll be have our DFS completed, all our approvals in place, and be well down the path for project financing, and certainly uh, be at the early stages, if not um, already done some ordering of long lead items for our, um, for our construction at, at Oropesa. Goal would be to get into operation by 2025 there. Uh, I can't go too much further without mentioning our Cleveland project as well in Tasmania. It's um, still a very exciting project for us. We currently have the drill rigs down there now. We're on our fourth out of five holes, certainly looking to extend the mineralisation down there a, a little bit further. Uh, we'll parallel that with some other activities, with some metallurgical test work, etc. So uh, the Tasmanian project is probably a couple of years behind Oropesa and its development but still a good portfolio asset for us. Joe David, thanks for your time. Thanks, Tim.